0: This is Nayetta. Hi, this is Tiffany. And welcome to The Help Show. Welcome back, guys, and thank you for tuning in for our second series, The Year of the Arts, seventh episode in July, Minority Mental Health for the Culture. This month, The Health Show helps raise awareness about mental health from a minority perspective. Does it matter if
1: a person of color suffers in silence?
0: Did you know, according to the Office of Minority Mental Health, African-Americans are 10% more likely to report having serious psychological distress than non-Hispanic whites. And suicide
1: was the ninth leading cause of death for Asian-Americans. Also, did you know, according to Office of Minority Health in 2014, suicide was the second leading cause of death of four American Indian and Alaskan native between the ages 10 and 34. Also, the death rate from suicide for Hispanic men was four times the rate for Hispanic women in 2014.
0: Hey guys, this month's podcast is sponsored by Restore Right, Augustine Insurance, and Auckland Research Associates. So,
1: Nayeta. How about Minority Mental Health Month?
0: It's July. Woo woo. We have gone seven (laughs) months. Can't believe it. I can't believe it either. We haven't killed each other. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I miss teasing.
1: Come, Come on, baby. it's Minority Mental Health Month, <laughs>
0: right? Hey, we can all be, be a little bit, you know, touched. <laughs> but uh, you know, I guess a good question for us to ask to kind of start the discussion is, when did you realize you were a minority? Okay,
1: that's a really good question. And I say that's a really good question. Make it. I'll make it short because you know, guys, I you know, I'm very um sporty, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I realized um, I was a minority in my late 20s.
0: Um, this is a rarity, y'all. She made it her whole
1: young life. Please, tell them how. Because I just think I was very... Um, my parents, they kind of spared me from that. You know, when you live in a... When your neighborhood is majority black, you don't, you're not the minority. You guys are the majority. Mm -hmm. When you go to all-black school, you're not the minority. You're the majority. Mm -hmm. And when you go to an all-black college, you're not the minority. You're the majority. Mm -hmm. And so I've put my my parents and myself, I've put myself in these positions that I am the majority instead of the minority. Mm -hmm. And so then also I'm just super focused on Nyetta. I have this... I have a gift that I can just block everything else out. And so if it actually probably did come my way before, um, before my 20s, I couldn't tell you because I was just, I was in, you say Wayne's world, Niada's world. (laughs) I was, I was in Niada's world. Okay,
0: well, that's wonderful that I guess you didn't have to experience racism, oppression, discrimination in a very direct way. Um, For me, I guess I was about four years old where I just realized that, Being black men, I was different in some way. Um, Because, again, like, you I grew up in a a majority African-American community. But uh, there were Hispanics. Um, We even had a a, a Polynesian family. Well, they were, (laughs) like, Samoan, Hawaiian, something like that. They lived down the street. So I kind of saw different people. And then the kind of TV shows that we watched, it was a little diverse. You know, mid-'90s, early-'90s, they had a lot of different you know, it was all about diversity and inclusion right. back then. But when I was four, my uh, dad lived in Austin and we had a neighbor across the street who had a four-year-old daughter Okay, and her name was Stephanie. I was like, Oh, her name sounds like mine. And she just looked different. And my Barbies were black when I brought them to play and her mm-hmm. Barbies were white. And she was like, your Barbies are brown. I'm like, yes, they're brown like I am. And it was like, Oh, cause she's not Brown. She's not like a huh. really light person. Right. <laughs> she's just not a black person. Right. And so from there, um, you know, my, my parents, I grew up in African-American Episcopal Church, so okay. we always talked about Black History Month. So I was very aware of my culture as a, as a black person. Right. Um, I've been lucky to not have uh, traumatizing experiences right. of racism, but I've had microaggressions, which if you don't know, know what a microaggression is. It's basically those little innocuous things right. that make you aware of your difference race-wise or even uh, your gender and the person that's giving that comment may not have the intent to hurt you, but it's still because it's so socialized that you know it still hurts. So something like, "Oh, you're so articulate," right, right, right. Uh, okay, am I not supposed to be articulate? Right.
1: right. <laughs> so, so why do you think that mental health is not discussed in the communities um, of color? And so we we are both. Um, we both come from majority of African-American communities. And so why do you think that mental health is not discussing communities of color? Well,
0: okay, uh, and we talked about this before. You know, everyone has a different experience. Uh, for African-Americans, it could be from a religious point of view. It could right. be from trying to not play in the stereotypes that we're, right. we're out of control or angry. Yeah. It could be a lot of things. And I, I could say the same for um, our other people of color, Hispanic, Asian, right, right. Uh, religion, right. um, just cultural values.
1: But, but I, I think that every every race, every, um, I think every race, that, in my opinion, um, just like African Americans, we're known to be strong. Mm-hmm. And so... Showing some type of weakness, saying, hey, I have mental health issues, is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And then when we do show the sign of weakness, it's like, go to God, let's talk to Jesus about it. Mm-hmm. And so, I just feel like it's not discussed because it's almost viewed as being weak. Right. And which is which is not the case. Yeah. You know being human. It, man. We yeah. all cry, we all bleed, mm-hmm. you know, we all get angry, we all have these different emotions that we should be able to express without being judged and so especially in the in 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 the african american community because i can speak that as as a child you know you have these different these genders boys should not cry girls will cry should cry girls should you know play with barbie dolls or cook and men should go be the hunters and provide and so i just feel like you know Especially being in our com- in our community, my community. I'm not gonna say yours because your community may been different than mine. No, uh, we grew up in the same, same. city. I'm just saying, <laughs> but you from Oakland, boo-boo. Yeah, and I'm from South Dallas. Well, I guess even well, I guess my neighborhood was a little bit
0: more diverse than yours. Now that I think about it, because yeah. there were a lot more Hispanics in my yeah. It, it, and it
1: wasn't, I mean,
0: my sister's husband
1: is Hispanic. We
0: lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah, I'm like, and it wasn't so, like that.
1: Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing any biracial children if they were I didn't know as growing up as a kid or you know or I didn't see any like um in a household hispanic father or mother I, I didn't see that as yes, a kid. and that was my experience like yeah and I was six years old and, on and so when I saw it, I was like oh my god I was shocked but I was like oh this is cool yeah. you know but I was also raised not to judge to love I was mm-hmm. raised a Jehovah witness mm-hmm. and so we and I was we raised just to wanted to talk to everybody yeah so hey this it, what it is so um we're almost done. How do you think um, it's changing? Well, um,
0: we talked about this in jokingly, but things like the internet, yeah, yeah. you know, connecting the, the world getting a little bit smaller, education, of course. Um, Media, right? Uh, showing different people, and I guess another point I just wanted to make before we kind of move past why we don't talk about it, it's it's kind of ironic because people of color have always been fighting for their humanity, right? And the fact that we can't show our weakness kind of takes away our ability to be human, right? And so I feel like now that we're moving into this society where people are, you know, trying to be more inclusive, you know, we've gone through the first round of civil rights movement; we're right. probably somewhere in the second right now, oh. and um. Being able to be a fully realized human being, weaknesses, strengths, and all, is right. really what we all want. We just all want to be people, and so I think that is changing um, because we can't we can't hide from it. Anymore. And
1: we we can't hide from it because um, the luxury of because I, I think the internet is a luxury. I think that social media is a luxury, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's totally a luxury, and it and it and it does allow us to see um, what's going on. Um, 360 in the world, mm-hmm. and so it's, it. And you you are right. The world is getting smaller, and 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 I'm always cognizant. Be careful what you say and who you say it to, because you never know who, know who in what city and what country. Mm-hmm. there is it, if it really feels like the world's getting small, but I think it's changing to a certain perspective. Um, it's, I hate to say this, but um, you know. Who's our um, president now mm-hmm. I feel that he has opened up a can That is really truly Trying to take us back a little bit mm-hmm. Because the things that I've been Seeing on the media is disgusting You right. know And I don't want to get too deep into that But you, you, you the question was how do you? How, the question is how do you think That's changing <laughs> It is changing but let's be careful Right.
0: And I guess the, the biggest thing About it is that awareness We always talk about being woke and staying woke. To be woke means to be aware. Do not put the spoon in the coffee. Right. (laughs) I'm not, I don't think I know that one.
1: Yes it is. The spoon and the coffee, what yeah. Remember with the tea and the um, he was he was um, not being woke. You no, know. oh girl, no, it
0: was tea. You threw me off. I'm sorry, she's co- referring to yeah. the 2017 ah. <laughs> movie Get Out by Jordan Peele Oscar, I mean, Oscar award winning movie Get Out by yeah. Jordan Peele. Totally. Yes, okay, the tea with the clink clink. Oh, yeah, Y'all the, know tea, that the
1: coffee, tea. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, she said coffee, it threw me off. I was like, is that a is that a saying? I don't know. You know anyway, <laughs> it's changing. And another good thing is that there are a lot of mental health providers of most, color like myself definitely. that are, you know, really wanting to. Because we all have this passion for healing people and helping and people. Helping people. Yeah. And so um, there's just more platforms and spaces for us to exist. And uh, I mean, I think about even how mental health d- diagnosis came up. They were all normed on, you know. Caucasian males that were right. in college and they actually sat back took them another 15 years just to huh. see what it's like for people of color and they actually have notes about cultures and things huh. in the DSM so oh, wow. it, it, it's changing it's changing and so hopefully our, our conversations with our artists will um kind of show I'm excited yes you guys are really enjoy these interviews I'm,
1: um I'm, I'm excited now talk about let she me. was so
0: excited the whole time She's excited now you know Diana's no. exuberance is contagious.
1: Thank you very much.
0: See, she thought I was going to say something me. Yeah. I didn't. I said something nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm changing
1: uh, Very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So
1: our first interview will be psychologist Dr. Michael Selders. Yeah. For the show, um, Dr. Mike, Um, this month we are talking about um, Mental Health Minority Month um, are our titles for the culture. And so this month, we're basically shining in on what's going on in the minority neighborhoods. And I know, Dr. Mike, you see it all. You hear it all. Um, he's actually, which I'm, proudly to, I'm prou- proud to say, that he is in my neighborhood um, in the southern sector of Dallas, South Dallas, um, close to South Boulevard. And so it's such an honor um, to, to be here because when I was a young girl, this establishment of course wasn't here and this type of um, help was not here either. And so um, I'm honored, I'm very grateful. We call that the TTT, thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Well, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, let's let's get this interview started because I'm, I'm just ready to shoot these questions out there and, and, and hear what kind of response you got sure. for us. Um, first question is, tell us about your profession and your cultural background, Dr. Mike.
2: So I am originally from Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is about five and a half, six hours from here. Um, I was born in in Austin, Texas. And then my father was in the military. He was in Air Force, and we moved around quite a bit. And so I lived in Shreveport for a while, then moved to Tennessee for a while. And then after Tennessee, uh, we moved to Lake Charles, Louisiana. And that's where I spent the bulk of my childhood and formative years. Graduated from school, went on to Southern University um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and completed undergrad, graduate school there, went to Chicago, uh, completed a doctoral program there in in counseling psychology, and then worked at the VA in in Chicago for a while, and then moved here and worked at the VA here for a while before I went into private practice and eventually on to UT Southwestern.
1: Oh wow! So how do you like
2: um, Dallas? How do you Dallas? Do you like is, it? Dallas is nice. Um, Dallas is very different from most other places that I've been. Okay. But I think from a from a metroplex standpoint, Dallas has a has a lot to offer, um, especially people who are psychologists, psychiatrists, people in the mental health field. Okay. Because um, there there's a lot of need here, especially yes. for underserved populations. Most definitely. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to practice in South Dallas because there was such a big need for mental health services in the southern sector of Dallas. So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to be here.
1: We do need you, Doctor Mike. Um, so what are you, so what are common issues you find in treatment with individuals from cultural backgrounds similar to you, similar to and different from yours?
2: I would say the biggest challenge is probably around stigma, the stigma of mental illness. Okay. No matter what the diagnosis or the condition may be. People from my community, my culture, and people from other cultures, um, uh, different from mine, I think stigma is a big thing. People have a great, a great difficulty talking about mental health issues a lot of times, understanding mental health issues. And some of that is just around the negative attitudes and views that have been sort of portrayed in the, in the media right. um, historically as well as even now. Right. So I think stigma is probably one of the common things that I see. I see it in treatment. Okay. Um, I have patients who refer to me or clients who referred to me by their primary care physician. And oftentimes when I begin to talk to them about their understanding of why they were referred to me, right. many times people know I'm a psychologist. They know okay. psychologists typically treat people with mental health conditions. Okay. But they may have a difficult time accepting the fact that they are being, I guess, referred right. because their primary care physician feels that they have a mental health condition.
1: Quick question. Sure. For the, I know and you know, mm-hmm. those that don't know what stigma is, please explain stigma.
2: So stigma is basically, um, let me let me find a, a way to say it that makes sense to the masses. When you stigmatize something, you basically, you look at it in a very shameful way. Right. Um, it's almost seen as some some sort of negative, negative view that you have toward a particular thing. And in this particular instance, people have more of a negative attitude and a mindset and thinking when it comes to thinking about mental health conditions. People think that it's um, something that you know um, is frowned upon. Right. So when we talk about stigma, we're talking about the negative attitudes and views that people hold about mental health conditions. Right. So a person when somebody says, "You know, "Man, you have this particular condition," for some people, that's fighting words. <laughs> If right. they have a negative if they have a negative perspective, attitude, about it, yeah. perspective about it. So yeah. stigma is all about the attitude that people have toward mental health conditions. So
1: And you were saying before that's pretty much like that's high in the minority neighborhood and extremely high in the in the in the minority neighborhood.
2: Absolutely. The
1: stigma behind um, mental health.
2: Um, well, well, sometimes health in general, I think health in general, but specifically for mental health, because I, I think some of it comes from just the the, the, the cultural mistrust hmm. uh, that historically that uh, people of African descent have experienced right. within this within this you know the West. and so what winds up happening is I think that just trickles on down the years. Right. so people have a fear of going to the doctor. People have an even bigger fear going to the psychologist or psychiatrist because of what that means. And so I think one of the things that helps stigma is education, Uh, not education in terms of schooling, but education in terms of being aware, becoming more knowledgeable about what mental health conditions are. Um, Mental health conditions have absolutely nothing to do with you know, whether or not you had a bad parent or a good parent. Right. You know, it has a lot to do with genetics. And so when we think about genetic and it being a brain chemistry issue, people typically think about it differently. Right. You know, so um, I think that's one of the ways to sort of dispel the myth. Education and lifting the ignorance.
1: That, I think that's very true. Um, I I'm learning so much the DM, the D S M five is becoming my best mm-hmm. friend. <laughs> <laughs> and and what you're saying is absolutely correct that you do have to it's like you almost have to be your own therapist mm-hmm. to a certain extent understand your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you can't now once you learn your diagnosis, you're look, you're not the psychologist, you're mm-hmm. not the therapist because you didn't go to school for that. But at least you can know how to ask questions. Sure. At least you know, you know what I feel this way. You know, when you read about things, you can kind of go back and forth and compare, you know what, I did feel like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what, I, I, think, you know, I think I might be bipolar. Mm-hmm. You know what, let me talk to um, Dr. Mike and see if he can give me some medication. And so what are, with the stigma being so high in a minority neighborhood, what do you tell your clients when they come into your office to, to put them at ease? Because it is scary.
2: So, So as a psychologist, I typically prescribe therapy. And I also have psychiatrists that I work with who prescribe meds. One of the things that I do is I try to um, spend a lot of time talking with people about their understanding of their condition, their understanding about their symptoms. And I think some of it, you know, when you talk about cultural competence and you talk about working with people in, in therapy, it's important to meet people where they are. So I think meeting people where they are and having a better frame of understanding of kind of what their background is all about. That kind of gives me some perspective about how I should work with them as a client. So people already have this perspective about psychologists and what psychologists do. You walk into somebody's office and they're the expert. Um, You lay on their couch and they're gonna give you all this great advice. I I try to dispel that myth because I don't wanna give people advice. I wanna help people discover their own reality, their own truth. Part Part of it is me Talking with them about their symptoms and trying to educate them about what these symptoms might mean. Okay. And together we figure out what the best course of action is. No different than if you went to your primary care physician and you said that I, I have all these types of symptoms. It sounds like flu.
1: Right. Or it
2: sounds like hypertension. Right. Or it sounds like diabetes. Right. So part of what we try to do is figure out a treatment plan that works best for you given your situation, right. given your limitations, your right. strengths, all these different things. So part of what I try to do is I spend the first, you know, few sessions just trying to get to know the person right. and trying to better understand what might help them best. Because I may have great ideas about what I think would help, right. but if I don't get buy-in from them about what would work for them, right. then they don't necessarily buy into the treatment process. So developing a collaborative relationship is, is what I try to do kind of from the very beginning. I, you
1: know, I really I really like that. I, that. That really helps with your skill training as well. They know, you know them, you know their symptoms. Mm -hmm. So now let's let's get some training going to help you with that. I I like that. So how does cultural competency improve the success of therapy?
2: Well, cultural competency in and of itself is the ability to understand, communicate with, and effectively interact with people from different cultures or across cultures. It also encompasses, you know, skill level, knowledge, attitudes, awareness, I don't think cultural competency in and of itself improves the success of therapy. Mm -hmm. I think cultural competence improves the quality of a person's therapeutic experience. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of the research where people have um, tried to correlate um, success in therapy to a clinician's cultural competence, it hasn't panned out successfully. Mm -hmm. Part of that is because, let me give you an example. To say that cultural competence improves a person's um, treatment outcome or success in therapy, I think it leads to their experience. It's just like saying, if I, as an African-American clinician, know a whole lot about, let's say, somebody who is um, from a different culture from mine, that if I know all the right things to say, if I have a positive attitude toward their culture and their situation, their background, and I understand them pretty, pretty, pretty well, that that in and of itself my skill to employ that is going to lead to their success in therapy.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, I can't put I can't take credit. My I can't take credit for my being culturally competent as being the reason why you succeed in therapy. Right. Because there are a lot of things that happen outside of therapy that may have a lot to do with why you succeed or not. Right. Right. You know, no matter what happens within these four walls, when you leave a lot of things can that happen that could, that could have a lot to, to play uh, right. that impact the, your success in therapy. So I will say that my being culturally competent can help to improve your experience in that if you believe I'm connecting with you, if you believe I'm attuned to the things you're struggling with or you're dealing with, right. and you believe that we have an interpersonal connection and you feel comfortable right. in the environment, I think that can make you want to come back and that can make you want to Delve deeper into some of your some of your problems, and right. you trust me more. But it doesn't mean, in and of itself, right. That's going to lead to
1: your success success in, in therapy. therapy
2: because a lot of it is really on the client.
1: It really is not least.
2: necessarily on my 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 cultural competence. That's a part of it, but it's a whole that's lot. Because
1: on when once they leave your door, it, it's kind of like it's up to you to succeed or fail. And so, which is what you're saying is, and and,
2: and, and there are a lot of factors that play into whether or not a person's therapy experiences are positive or negative. I have a lot of people who, um, and you didn't ask this question, but I just feel the need to, to talk about it. There are a lot of people who come to therapy with the intention of getting better, and they really, really want to get better. Right. But let's say I meet with them over the course of three months, okay. and they've been experiencing certain things all their lives pretty much. When they leave my office and they go back home, you know, they may be going back to an environment that is very hostile, an environment that's very anti-therapeutic, and so that person has to deal with, yes, they're going to therapy, but a lot of times what they're talking about in therapy may not translate into their home environment. Most definitely. So it's a, lot of, it's a lot of factors that go into the degree to which therapy works for some people and, 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 and not. So um, cultural competence, I think, helps the quality, definitely the quality of the relationship, but it doesn't necessarily lead to success.
1: Um, you know what, that good. Does that make sense? That yeah. makes, a, okay. makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. How important is it for society to shine light on minority mental health? I and think, and okay. how is it helpful?
2: How, why is it important for uh-huh. society?
1: Uh-huh, to shine light on minority <clears throat> mental health.
2: Well, the first part of that question, I think it's important for society to shed light on mental health um, in general, but minorities in particular, if the goal is to increase awareness within minority populations or within populations that are underserved. Um, One of the things I like to think is that the more we can talk about mental health, the more we can talk about it, like we talk about other things that are important within society, the easier and the more acceptable it is for for many people. Um, Television, uh, social media, um, media in general has a lot to do have a, the airways. Right. people we spend a lot of time watching television as a culture we spend a lot of time on the phone
1: we right. spend a lot
2: of time on social media so right. i think the more that society can promote you know mental health as being important and right. mental health as being health right contributing to one's health okay. i think the more positive things will be you know um at least i would like to think that um.
1: You know, this month, well, it's August right now, but um last month, which was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so this month I've been posting a lot of different a lot of articles. And so one article that really um struck me was um the silent shame of having mental health in the Asian community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how a- aging? The
2: Asian, a- Asian okay. The
1: Asian community. Okay and how it almost killed this young asian girl. Mm-hmm. And so, I think my a minority is non-white. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Asians, Hispanics, Indians, it's like they all feel I'm not going to say all feel the same, but they all have common factors the same as African American. What I've been what I've been seeing, what I've been reading, mean, what I've been from a mental health from a mental health perspective. And, of course, things are going to be different in other countries because, you know, the rules and regulations are different. They look at um, having mental health issues. In Africa, I was talking to one young lady that the young boy had um, autism, and the mother put him in a cage Mm -hmm. in Africa. Mm -hmm. And instead of educating themselves, like we talked about, educating themselves about what the diagnosis was, they just, like, the child's possessed, Mm -hmm. Now let's put the child in the cage and treat the child like an animal. And so every culture is very, every culture is very different. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, the my, the minority culture is so different because in all those different cultures, in the Indian and in the Black and Hispanics, we're all known to be strong. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the one common denominator that we all have. That we have to rise above. Mm-hmm. That we have to be strong that we can, you know we can't express ourselves. If we do that's considered weak. Mm-hmm. And so this month was so important because I wanted to be able to to reach out and touch not just the African American community but all the minority communities, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so I I just had to I had sure. to I had to say that because the story that the young Asian girl was just so heartbreaking mm-hmm. on how she hit her, her. I she, think she's bipolar, mm-hmm. and she hid this. And when they finally found out what was wrong, they shunned her. And I'm just like, but they do that the same thing in the African American community.
2: Well, I mean, and that, that's that's also part of that's also part of the stigma. The whole idea of stigma. People people respond to things based in how how they understand it. If they right. don't understand it, then you know, ignorance is bliss, <laughs> and you don't you don't you don't know it. Asking and out. so a lot of times what happens is when people don't really understand the truth about certain things, they create all sorts of ideas about what it is and right. what it may not be. So I think one of the things that becomes important to just um, minorities and mental health in general is for us to talk really openly, have right. open dialogues, um, and have open platforms where we can talk about you know, what mental health is as well as what it is not.
1: Most definitely. And so
2: when you start talking to people about mental health being um, more genetic than it is than you just having a negative childhood or negative experiences. Right. I know right. a lot of people who had positive experiences, but that doesn't mean that they, that they don't have mental, mental health, health issues. You know what Correct. I mean? Yeah. And I know people who have horrific backgrounds, and they don't have a mental health condition. Right. So I think a lot of it, when people understand the genetics uh, of it and they understand that it's more... Uh, brain chemistry than it is just a person's situation mm. those situations can be stressors that trigger the onset of it right. but they those situations in and of themselves are not the cause of it i think we'll we'll, we'll be a lot better off
1: well dr mike i don't even want to leave <laughs> but she's like "Girl, you gotta go but
2: <laughs> well, well I, I am more than willing to talk you know on a more regular basis if it would help out um I do want to make myself as available as I can be to support what you're trying to do, because I think this is important. It's an I, important cause.
1: I, I think you know? it is, too. Um, I see what's going on in our in our community, in society, just the world mm-hmm. in itself. And I think that people, they do need a platform to be able to vent and to express themselves and someone to talk to and mm-hmm. to help them kind of over the hump of what, sure. what they have going on. And so I'm going to the Help Show. We're going to continue spread, keep spreading awareness and educating people about mental health. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, how can people find Dr. Mike?
2: People can contact my office. People can look at me on. I'm on Facebook. I, I'm I'm not the biggest social media person. I have somebody <laughs> managing that for me. Mm-hmm. But um, um, let me give you my. I think I sent it to you also. Okay. Uh,
1: let me. We're gonna. We're open. Look, we're opening it up. <laughs> Our, our phones okay so. so
2: my 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 office number um is 214 uh, 421 that's my office number here okay um i can also be reached my, my website is um talkto dr mike okay um dot .com okay so on my website you know i have information about myself information about my practice um and I also if people are interested in facebook um, people can also contact me there. Um, Facebook at drmike.com.
1: Okay, do you have Instagram?
2: I don't have Instagram.
1: You know, you gotta get on this Instagram. I doc, you need, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll you change think so? Oh, I know so, I really? Change my life. How I'm how tell, so? because so. it's just straight to the point. Okay, I'm you know, I'm kind of person like straight to the point. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Come on, that's just me. The, the, the Facebook is just too much. I like to interact but to a certain extent sorry guys, I love you but hey my sister got about five jobs so i gotta got balance the time but anyway um Dr. Mike, thank you so You're much for um, speaking with us about um, mental health my, um, my minority mental health um, for July and I will be reaching out to you again for something I, we're gonna we you know what we might have have a segment called Talk to Dr. Mike. I think I like that segment. That works well. You know what? Some live, some live interviews would be great.
2: I'm okay with that also.
1: Okay, you guys heard that first. <laughs> Thank you so much, you Dr. Welcome. Mike. Have a great day. You too. All right. Today's podcast is produced by Davian Abney Music. To get your very own custom beats, email him at davianabneymusic at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and
0: Twitter at The Help Show. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please leave comments. We want to know what you think. This podcast is produced by Nyetta Reynolds,
1: Tiffany Lindley, and Davion Abney. For more information and to donate, please visit our website at thehelpshow.org. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.